Okay, good morning, Rock Bible Church. It is good to see you on our new platform. So exciting to have uh, the YouTube up and running. I want to just uh, quickly thank all those in the tech team, audiovisual, and of course, Bryce, who kind of oversaw that, and Nate and such, and all the work that it took, uh, and seems to be going very smoothly. So thanks so much, and um, really, it's just a sign of what we want to do and be as a church. You know, we, we say that what we say, welcome to Rock Bible Church, and then one of the lines we, we say is, in casual ways that welcome all to worship, well, a good feed where we can comment and people can access it, and now you can just put it right up onto your TV and some of the, some of the different devices and things. It's so much easier than just uh, having to go through another app like like uh, the one we were using before. So, uh, so thanks, thanks again, and uh, welcome to Christmas season, Advent season, we call it. And we've got all these decorations, and it looks so wonderful. And thanks again to the Austins. Um, I hope you're decorating. I hope that you're making the most of the season. Uh, anything we can do to draw attention to God and to Christ, uh, the birth of Jesus leads to Easter and uh, our salvation and our acknowledgement of who God is, his projection to us of what he wants us to know about himself, uh, his effort to be known, to communicate. And um, if we give a few gifts in the holidays and put a few bows and ribbons, uh, then uh, why not? Or how about why? Now, we're starting a new Christmas series, and we're calling it... uh, we're calling it What Child Is This? We just sang that song, uh, and, and that song is inspired uh, by this, this story in Matthew chapter 2 uh, where these kings come, these wise men, these foreign dignitaries, they come and they give gifts. Uh, and we sang in the song, we sang the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and, and you know, it's really kind of that tradition from which we now today give gifts you know, running down the stairs on Christmas morning and looking to see the trees lit up and what's underneath the tree. I mean, that excitement uh, came from that first Christmas morning. Uh, when these um, three guys or so, who knows how many they were traveling with, really, they came and they brought gifts. And we want to look at uh, those gifts over the next uh, few Sundays. And then Christmas Eve, uh, we're looking at the gifts of Christmas. And uh, what is the gold? What is the frankincense, the myrrh? And then ultimately, uh, the ultimate gift, Jesus, on Christmas Eve. So that's what we're going to be sharing. Uh, We're going to be singing that song a little bit, What Child Is This? Uh, We're going to do it tonight at at Dwell. And so I'm I'm really excited that we not only just get into the Advent season or get into the, the excitement and the fun, the lights of Christmas, the decorations, but really into the meaning. And that's what we're starting this morning. So welcome to our Christmas series, What Child Is This? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to go ahead and read through this story at the beginning of Matthew. Uh, The gospel of Jesus, according to Matthew, starts with this story of, well, where did Jesus come from? Uh, And there's some great information and a little background of where he comes from. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's on the scene. And Matthew chapter 2 Uh, verses 1 through 22 this morning, or excuse me, 1 through 12 this morning, 
give us that first inclination where humans are interacting with Christ for kind of the first time. Um, I, I hope that your reading, your understanding of Scripture starts with this idea that it is inspired. There's no errors in it. And, and if it's inspired and it's true, is there an order? Is there a priority? Is it significant, the things that God put in the Word through His Spirit, writing through men and possibly women, uh, that He wanted us to know, that He wanted us to see? Uh, what's the first thing He wanted us to see? Understand. What does He follow that with? What does He end with? Um, all of these things are significant. And it's important as we study Scripture um, as more than just a religion, but really the science of who God is and what does our Bible say, how does it say it. And uh, that's what's exciting for me in Matthew chapter 2, is we're going to get into the detail, the, the intricacies of what's going on here. So let's, um, let's pray, and then we'll jump into the Christmas gift of gold. That's our first one this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give gifts back to you. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Son to us. Thank you, Lord, that it was more than a one-time event. It was actually you coming down in the presence of your Son, God and man, living amongst us, setting examples, teaching us, and then making the ultimate sacrifice. Pray, Lord, that we would value the beginning of the story, and that it might lend meaning to the rest of the story. And therefore, Lord, give us direction, give us value, understanding, uh, really set us up for success, pursuing the right things. And may you be the highest pursuit of each of us. Lord, we thank you for our time. We thank you for this passage. We thank you for this season and the, and the opportunities that it presents to us. And we, we pray that our time this morning would, would honor you, your son, and what can be. We ask for your guidance through your spirit, and we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. They decided to start chapter 2 this way. Here we go. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. It's a little bit of a drive. Not, not a drive like we have, more like a camel drive. It took a little while, you think, to get there. And one of the things you got to do sometimes when you're reading scriptures is, is watch some of the sentences. They just throw them in there really quick, and you just kind of take them and go with them. But if you think about what they really meant, how many days, how long was that journey? What kind of resources did they have to gather, gather up and put on the pack animals to actually make it there and then be able to make it back? And then, by the way, uh, you got to have enough trunk space for the gifts. Uh, and we're going to see the gifts come out here in a minute. But a uh, tremendous amount of effort there, right? Uh, and they said, verse 2, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we, have saw his, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We saw his star. Did that ever slip past you before? Whose star? 
his star. Back when they were in the east, they saw a star, and they attributed it to the Messiah. They attributed it to prophecy. They attributed it to what some would call truth and others would call just a cute story. What kind of faith would it have taken on their part to not have known God, to not have been a part of a culture that acknowledged God, but to take a, a foreign concept and say, mm, I'm, I think I'm going to research this. I'm going to try my own experiment. I'm going to follow. And then have the faith to say, that star, that belongs to Christ. That belongs to the Mashiach. And I don't even know what Mashiach is because uh, Hebrew is in my language. For them to chase another culture like that and to find out who he is and then call it his star and, and really, well, I mean, let's be honest, they're all his stars, aren't they? All the stars are his. But they are slowly getting on track, on pace to recognize who God really is. Um, it's a great micro story of Christmas for us. You know, everything we do pushes us a little bit farther to acknowledging greater truths later. You know, to, to recognize one star, that's one thing. To recognize all the stars, that's even more exciting. And then to give credit to all of those, to the creator, that, that, take a, that takes a few steps. And not only just to find out where it came from, but then we've, we've come to worship him. They know the natural response. You know, if the Christmas story is real, uh, there's more than just gifts on, on the 25th in the morning. It changes absolutely everything. How we relate to one another, how we treat each other, how we prioritize. And in fact, that's what this morning is about. Because uh, if there's anything that messes with our priorities, it's gold. Right? We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, now we've heard king twice, right? Where it was uh, who, where is he who was born king of the Jews? That's verse 2. And then the current king, Herod, says, wait, 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 what would you say? <laughs> what king? I thought I was king. And now we have our conflict. King Herod says, wait a minute. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why would Jerusalem be troubled? Because they have generations. Really long time of government opposing them in their religion. The Jews were almost never in control of their own land or with their own freedoms. They were always fighting a bigger government pretty much through their whole history. Even today, they're fighting other governments for their ability to worship and whatnot. So Jerusalem would be afraid because they know Herod's going to be mad. And when Herod's mad, that means trouble for them. At the same time, if it's real, if it's real, that changes everything. Aslan is in Narnia. Great real reference there from the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe story. If, if the big lion is really roaming around, that changes everything. Possibilities are much greater now. So uh, Herod's upset, Jerusalem's worried too, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, verse 4, uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, 
For so it is written by the prophet. said, we, we knew this. It's going to be in Bethlehem. Now, shouldn't that be taken as more of a suggestion, or we think, or some say? No. He says, where is he to be born? No question about if he's going to be born or who he is. They knew it's the Messiah. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Um, let me ask you, who takes prophecy more seriously? Them or us? That's a rough question. Because they just answer outright, Bethlehem. That's what the prophet said. And here they quote the prophet, verse 6, Matthew does for us. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And such a great prophecy there. And some point we'll go back and look at that a little more in depth. But who was Judah as a tribe? And where did kings come from? And what does it mean to be a ruler? In that yet, and yet then it says at the very end, and he will shepherd. He's going to rule, but he's going to shepherd. And boy, that's different. Um, some, sometimes in Christian life these days, in our current culture, we, sometimes some people like to talk about God as he's like daddy, papa. And we say father. And that's because we're leaning towards the shepherd idea. Not just a ruler, but a shepherd, someone who actually cares takes care and protects us kind of thing. Great little things that come out of that. We'll look at that probably some more uh, in the next couple weeks. Um, But verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Ooh, we have a place. Now we need to know at a time, right? He sent them, verse 8, to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring, the word, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He said, Oh, why don't you go find the child? Because, you know, I, I want to worship too. It's not actually true. What we find out later is that he, he tried to have all the children, males of that age group, killed. Uh, so what's his plan? I got a time and a place place, and then I'm going to come up with a method for getting rid of them. Verse 9, after listening to the king, these wise men, uh, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I love when the Bible tries to emphasize things, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Let's let's like say it like three different ways, maybe four, depending on how you want to count. And going into the house, verse 11, and this is kind of the key verse of the passage. It's why it's at the top of your outline if you have that and are following along. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, which, by the way, would be a fulfillment of prophecy also. And they fell down and worshipped him. Were these guys telling the truth? We saw a star. We think it's his. We've come all this way. We want to know where he is. We think he's the king, and we're going to worship him. What that right there is, that's called integrity. They say, I follow, I worship, and then when they get the opportunity, they follow, they worship, and they show up. How great that they have that kind of integrity. 
Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And welcome to our next three weeks. This week we're going to talk about gold a little bit. But they open up their treasures and they give these three gifts. And, and so many times we talk about the, the three wise men. You know, if you ever were in a Christmas play at your church as a kid, there were always three wise men, right? Where does it say three anywhere in the passage? <laughs> we just come up with that number. It's the easiest number. Why do we do that? Because there were three gifts. And so we, think, we assume each wise man gave a gift. Well, the truth of the matter is they probably were traveling with more than three people. If they had treasures and all this, they probably had servants and who knows how many wise men there were. Um, this was actually a following. It wasn't just three stooges. This was a group, a crowd. They were amassing. It was growing. Why? Because God was drawing attention to himself. And I remember being a young man and trying to follow the Lord and hearing all the noise that Christians and Jesus followers would make about materialism at Christmas and the lights and its excess and the whole thing. And I thought to myself, I like Christmas. What do you mean? It wasn't until I really figured out and justified and clarified in my own mind, oh, you know, all this, you know what it really does? It draws attention to Christ. And I'm for anything that draws attention to God. Now, can materialism go the wrong way? Yes. Can you go too much on the lights or the whole thing? I don't know. But where's your heart? Are you like these wise men where you want to figure out who he is, figure out what's said about him? You're going to chase it yourself. You're going to show up, and then you're going to worship. If that's you, happy Sunday. You get to celebrate. Party, have fun, tell as many as you can, and invite them over. Well, not during pandemic. I almost said tandemic. That's weird. Tongue. I got uh, I got COVID of the tongue, probably. Um, so they bring out these gifts: gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're all significant, all highly valuable. It's why I would make the argument there might be more than just three. Uh, wise men uh, with riches, because these things were probably fairly expensive, um, and we're going to get into the significance of them each week. But they give this gifts, and then verse 12, they worship, they've given a gift, and being warned in a dream. I, I, uh, that one hurts me. In a good way. There's guys that try to follow the Lord, that believe what was said about them, that did something about it, that brought things of value to the table. They showed up, they offered those things, and they worshiped. Those kind of guys get dream warnings, they get God pursuing them, God communicating to them, God giving them direction. And you can call it a vision. You could call it calling, an inkling, but call it glorious. God trying to reach out to them and say, there's a direction for you. I tell you what, 
before Christmas, after Christmas, during Christmas, whether you're Mary or one of these wise men, whether you have treasures or not, you know what we all want? We all want direction from the Lord. And I have to make sure that you see what just went on here. That people tried to follow the Lord and the Lord gave them direction. And so many times we read through these little phrases in Scripture and we just, oh, what a great little story. Let's get out the reindeer and let's have some apple cider. And, and we move on and we miss and being warned in a dream. I tell you what, I'm, I love Jesus. I love this story. I love Christmas. You know what's more important to me than any of that? Can I have that experience with God? Can he talk to me? Can he tell me when my decisions are right? Can he correct me when I'm wrong? Can he encourage me? Influence me? Change how I feel? Change what I think? Give me an idea where I should put time and effort. Be proactive. Slow me down and say, hey, stop. Stop putting energy there. That's not going to work out. I hope you're asking that question. I hope that's important to you, that the God of Christmas, the Savior of Christmas, the child born unto us actually showed up for you. Now he showed up for Fred and Ted and Mary and everybody else also. But did he show up for you? Not is he important to you, but do you believe that you are important to him? Because that's a bigger question of than who you get to spend Christmas with. If Christmas is a happy time of year or if traditionally it's been a rough time of year for you. More important than all that. Are you important to him? And do you see that? I wonder what went through those wise men's minds and hearts. See the star, get all their resources, travel really far, deal with a king they know is shady, find the actual Jesus child, have it all come together, worship him, and then as they're leaving, have God confirm to them, hey, you know what? You're important to me. And yeah, you did everything that you were supposed to do, and I'm not done with you yet. I'm going to keep giving you direction. I wonder what the, the rest of those men's lives look like. What did they think about from that day forward? 10 years later, 20 years later, with their grandkids, what stories did they tell? How did they prioritize? You know, when God reaches out to you, when God connects to you, and, and by the way, it, it's not going to be in a dream for most of you. But are you looking for ways that God is trying to connect with you? Looking for it starts with believing that you are important to him. You're important to him. You need to hear that. Uh, that's why he came and showed up on the scene, right? That's why Oslin showed up in Narnia. It's a great symbolism that Jesus showed up on the planet. Why? Because he wanted to project how, how important we were to him. And being warned in a dream, verse 12, 
not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They got to go back to their normal life, and yet they'd never be the same. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 2, uh, 1 through 12, what an amazing story. And there's so many different things that we could do. And by the way, just to let you see behind the curtain, you know, us pastors, uh, we're, we're, there's, there's knuckleheads and then there's pastors. We're just, we're just a little bit above knuckleheads. It, it, we are far from having all the answers. And when it gets to Christmas time, you can imagine if you had to do a series, you, you look at stuff and think, well, what are we going to do our series on? You know, Brent and Bryce, we talk about this stuff, and Megan and, and you know, Nicole and some of the other guys, we just talk through, and sometimes we ask any of you, why? Because we could focus on anything. There's so much in all these stories that we could, we could talk about. Well, we were looking at it this year, and we thought, you know, there's something about gifts, and there's something about Christmas, and there's something about showing up on the scene and offering your gifts we want to accentuate that this year. So we want to look at the gold and the frankincense and the, and the myrrh. And, and this morning, I want to talk about the gold. And we're going to talk about the gold first because it's the one that's mentioned first. There's, it's not you know, rocket science. Uh, but they show up, they say they open their treasures and they offer their gifts, gold and then frankincense and myrrh. And they lead with the gold. And I've kind of been wondering about that and thinking about that for the last week or so. Just why, why lead with the gold? It has to be that gold was really important. It was the highest priority. Now, do we have anything like that in our culture today? Money, the almighty dollar. Uh, they say the two greatest causes of, of divorce are sexuality and money. Uh, riches are a priority for some people. And I find it significant that the, the wise men show up and the first thing that they do is they take probably one of the most important things in culture, secular culture, and they set that on the table first. I started looking at gold in the scriptures, and, and you, you can find it in virtually every single book of the Bible. They're talking about some land they're going to go to, and they say, by the way, there's gold in that land. They talk about the temple. Well, when you build the temple, you're going to lace this with gold. You're going to build that with gold. You're going to form this out of gold. And then you're going to smelt some gold. Why all the gold? Because it's always been valuable. It's always been a source of money. I crack up these days listening to commercials sometimes. You know, you can invest in this and this. You can invest in this. Or you could buy gold. <laughs> and I, just, I never know what to think about that. People trying to protect their money, make more money. As if money was some kind of tool. Yeah, sometimes we think of it as more than a tool. It, it, it creates this like, greater value in some way. But looking through Scripture all over the place, and King David and Solomon and building the temple and the Ark of the Covenant, this box, they laced it with gold, and then all of a sudden you get into all these different stories about how they would 
give gold to this king and give gold to that king. And then when they would come, they would bring a gift and you're always bringing gold. And it's almost like if, if, if something important was going on, gold was going to be a part of it. You know, that's sad, but it's true about human culture, not just their culture, not just our culture. There's, this some, there's something about money. We think that that's going to buy us happiness. I love that phrase, money can't buy you happiness. Now, where did that phrase come from if a bunch of people didn't try to pursue it and figure out it doesn't work? And so what does gold do? I was noticing in this passage all the different things that these guys do. Uh, Verse 1, they came from the east. They came all the way to Jerusalem. Verse 5, they told him, they told somebody and. They were talking about it, right? Doing a little work. They're going somewhere, and then they're talking about it. They're publicizing it. Verse 10, they rejoiced with great joy. Verse 11, they fell down and worship. Verse 11, also, they offered gifts. Verse 12, they went off another way. In order for gold to happen, it takes a lot of work. See, gold takes work. That's your first fill-in. I was amazed just looking at these wise men and all they had to do in order to make this whole experience happen. We wouldn't have this story if it weren't for all the different types of efforts that these guys made. Doesn't talk about them packing up. Doesn't talk about where their food sources were, where they stayed, how many people went with them, how costly was it to go back another way in order to avoid Herod. I'm, I'm guessing that they showed up at Herod's place, and when they showed up at Herod's place, they had to probably offer some gifts there, pay tribute to the sitting king. And you think about it, you know, in our lives, gold takes work also. How do you get a paycheck? You work. It's pretty hard to get a handout anymore. In fact, sometimes we look at people getting handouts and we feel frustrated. Why? Because there's some kind of disconnect in our minds when there's money, but there's no work. If somebody has riches, most likely they've worked for it, or they've maintained it, or they've protected it. And it's interesting to me, not so much the gold that was offered, but the amount of effort that goes into making gold happen. And they take that effort and they apply it to Christ. They take that work They take that dedication, that priority, and they say, I'm going to put my action words, I'm going to put my verbs toward God. See, it's not just about the money. I was thinking about this story of King David uh, when he's trying to come to power and he's trying to worship, but he's on the run and Saul is trying to get him and there's all this different stuff. and, And David finally comes into power and he's traveling. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, he comes across a king, a lesser king in a, in a different area, uh, Barunah, or sorry, Arunah. And he, he notices that it's been a while since he's offered a, an offering. And he says to this king, Arunah, hey, uh, we, need to, we need to do an offering, but we don't have anything and we don't have a place. I need a place and I need an offering. What can I do? You got anything for us? 
You know, Old Testament law, they had all kinds of rules about what you could offer. And he, did, he had plenty of resources, but he didn't have the specific items he needed for worship. And he comes to the secular king and says, hey, I got a problem. Can you help me with it? You know, the king says, hey, you can, you can have all the stuff you need. And here's a threshing floor. And here's a bunch of stuff. You, you can do your worship. You can do your offering. I gift it to you. See, here, here comes the king, David, through there. And this, this lesser king says, I'm going to give you all my work, all my effort. I'm going to just give it to you as an offering. It's very interesting what David says in verse 24 of chapter 24 of 2 Samuel. Uh, but the king said to Aronah, David said to Aronah, no, but I will buy it for, from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. He says, I will work for it. And if I haven't worked for it, I'll pay for it. And then my pay will be from work I did earlier that got me the money that I could then pay for it. Because when I worship God, I'm going to do something. I'm going to be active. And I am going to offer something of value to him. I make an effort in my pursuit of the Lord. He says, so yeah, thanks for the gift, thanks for the offer, but no, I'm going to pay you, Arana, so that when I offer something to God, it'll be something that I invested in. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built an altar to the Lord, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, so the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. They're in the midst of a hard time. They're in the midst of a plague that is going across the land. And they say, you know what? I'm going to offer to the Lord something that costs me, that I have to work for, that I have to pay for. Uh, it's a great lesson to us at Christmas time that our pursuit of the Lord takes effort, it takes work, it takes value. We need to be invested in it over time, regardless of what's going on in the land. It just struck me how poignant that little section of Scripture from Old Testament was for our current time. Because, man, we're concerned about money. And we have a plague in the land. But I ask you, how, how hard are you working at following the Lord? I think it's getting harder to follow the Lord. Stay dedicated. When you can't show up at church, you've got to worship on your own sometimes. Maybe you've got to worship at home. Maybe you've got to read the scripture a little more by yourself. Follow a podcast, whatever it is. Or love your neighbor. Serve somebody. Well, how do you serve somebody when you've got to say distanced? I mean, there's challenges, and you know, we're going to have to keep working at it. Right? This is how we offer our gold to the Lord. Right? It's not just about um, giving monetary gifts. Uh, number two, uh, go, what we know about gold is that gold is a gift for kings. Gold is a gift for kings. And I was looking at gold in the scriptures throughout the Old Testament. Anytime a king would show up, they'd give him gold. In fact, kings from other lands would show up and they'd give him gold. And it was almost like this sign of respect and deference. Deference? What's deference? That sounds like a really big word, Scott. It means you're giving tribute. It means you're honoring them and their position. 
You know, the phrase we kind of have heard a lot lately, especially because some of the shows that are, uh, you know, in our streaming services thing is the idea of bending the knee. Do you bend the knee? What do you bend the knee to? I, or I will not bend my knee to anything, right? And we got this whole thing in, in social media with some of our racial things that have gone on lately. You know, will we kneel for this or not kneel for that? And it's more than one different setting that that comes up. It's interesting that when they show, when, when kings would show up, they'd say, you know what? I recognize your position. I honor your position. When the wise men show up to baby Jesus, they say, we recognize you as a king. I mean, because how silly. If you really think about it, who gives gold to a baby? That's so backwards. It's like squandering your wealth. Like, what are you doing? Well, they weren't really. They were giving it to Joseph and Mary. Yeah, but I mean, when's the last time you went to a birth, the first viewing of a child, and you gave the people money? That's weird. No, you bring the little goofy outfits that they'll wear for two months and then grow out of. First birthday. You bring money? No. You bring something with a lot of frosting and you set them down in front of them and let them make a mess all over the place. Like to bring gold and set it before a child was a statement of royalty. This is the king. You know, it's interesting, uh, you know, what, what do kings use gold for? One of the first things a king uses gold for is to make a crown, doesn't he? I wonder if there was some symbolism in that. It's like, here's some gold because we want to make sure you have a crown. Hey, I hope this goes into your first crown. You see, at that time, they had no idea what the kingship of Christ was going to look like. They said, when you start, you're going to start with gold. You're going to be in good shape. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Not only did they give him gold, but they actually called him king several times in the passage, right? Where is he who was born king of the Jews, right? So they said it with their words, but then they said it with the action of giving this uh, royal gift, right? And it's a reminder of, uh, for us, is Jesus our Savior? Yes. Is he the Son of God? Absolutely. Is he the Messiah? Uh-huh. Does he offer forgiveness? Uh, yep. Does he solve sin? Yes. A lot of times we forget that he's king. A great question for you this morning, and any morning, is Jesus king for you? A king doesn't ask. A king gives decrees. A king, he doesn't wander around once in a while. No, king shows up and everybody stops and you pay attention, right? Everybody stands at attention when the king enters the room. What, what kind of respect do you offer Jesus as king? Well, I, I know you want him to be your savior and your shepherd. And earlier I was talking about how we like to call him daddy. But what kind of authority does he have? You know, one of the things that God does on the scene at Christmas is, is not only show up and show how much he cares about you, but to establish his kingship. In fact, we call it throughout the New Testament, Jesus said this many of times. He said, do you know what the kingdom of God is like? He calls it a kingdom. They call it a religion. He doesn't call it a following. He says, this is a kingdom. And, and how many kings does a kingdom have? Just one. 
What'd that just do to your position? You're not king. Our biggest problem is figuring out who king is. You know, when people complain about materialism at Christmas, when they complain about people fighting for parking slots at, at the shopping place, is that we've lost the purpose of Christmas. That you're not king, that someone else isn't king, that you getting your stuff or someone else getting the, that that's not what's important, that, that Christ is king. It really begs that question that the song is about, that we've named the whole series. What child is this? Because he has to be more than just a child. And he has to be more than just deserving of gold. He has to be more than just king. He has to be God himself. And, and for some of us, it's really hard to make the jump from baby to God. And if we can take little steps and say, well, you know, he kind of qualifies as a king. Gosh, maybe he should have more of my attention. You know, the priests... You know, the priest had some functions, you know. Jesus had some of the same functions as the priest. He's, he's kind of like a priest. Maybe I might value him a little more. You know, prophets had value too. They had a lot of things they did. You know, Jesus did a lot of the same things the prophets did. Boy, he's kind of a prophet too. And, and the more we look at Jesus, the more we ascend the scale to what he really is. The Bible tells us that even the wisest thoughts of man are but foolishness to God. But it doesn't change the fact that although you can never know the full extent of who God is, you can be on the climb of learning more and enjoying it more and having maybe him reach out to you like the, like the wise men where he came to them in a dream. You're starting to understand more than just king, more than just priest, more than just prophet, more than just Messiah, more than just son of God, actually God himself. And that all the ramifications of what that means and how it plays out are far-reaching as possible. They cover everything. Wow, that's when we get to the real gift. And that's why we're doing Jesus last on the gifts of Christmas, on Christmas Eve. Hope you'll be here with us. So that's uh, gold is, uh, takes work. Number two, gold is a gift for kings. And then lastly, gold is given to something greater. Gold is given to something greater. You see, they show up and say, mm, something bigger is going on than me. Why would they leave their land? Why would they go to another king's land? Why would they risk themselves in front of the sitting king, Herod, in order to go before a baby? The statement that they're making is something greater is going on here than just this gold or just this other gifts that we're going to give. In fact, I want to know what's going on here so much that I'm going to do all kinds of things, several different types of gifts. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to take time and effort. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to put on all the bells and whistles, and we're going to, we're going to figure this out. One of the greatest things, one of the greatest acknowledgments that you can make in life is that life is greater than you. There's so much more going on here. Where does it come from? Where is it going? And who's in control of all that? And that's why we get God on the scene as Jesus, so that we can see that there's something greater going on. The wise men figured it out. How are you figuring it out? 
Let's make the assumption you're figuring it out, and let's just ask how you're doing that, right? And that's decorating a tree or giving a gift or showing up at a service or serving somewhere. That's great. Correcting your kid when they get something wrong, how you do that, all of that matters. So that you're pointing towards something greater that's going on. Namely, Jesus. New Testament tells us that uh, that he comes on the scene in order that he might come to have first place in all things. That's what's going on here. Verse 11, it says, they fell down and worshiped him. Wise men like that, they don't worship much of anything. But they decided that Jesus was great enough that they were going to start worshiping and doing something they weren't used to. Matthew 23 says it this way. It's interesting. This is the end of the book. right? We started the beginning of the book, Matthew chapter 2, this story of Jesus on the scene. We get to the end of the book, Matthew 23. We're, we're coming to the end. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders who are missing the point. And it's, it's a rough passage if you go through the whole chapter. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And he says it like seven, eight times, just over and over. He's really upset with these guys. He says, woe to you, blind guys, verse 16 and 7, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anybody swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Wow, you say if you swear by the temple, eh, who cares? That doesn't mean anything. But if you swear by the gold of the temple, well, now you're swearing by the valuable stuff in the temple. We got to protect the gold of the temple. The temple itself, you know. And watch what he says. You blind fools. I want you to notice that. At the very top it says you're blind guides. And within one sentence, they've gone from guides to fools. They're blind the whole time, but they were guides. Now they're fools. Why? Because they made this idiot statement. It says, you blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Wow. He says, gold has no value unless I say it does. But that's not what he said. It said the temple was made the gold. Yes, who resides in the temple? What is the temple? It is the presence of God for Israel at all times. It's the idea that you can be in proximity of God. That's more important than gold. <laughs> How glorious for the wise men to show up and say, we're in proximity of God. You can have my gold. Oh, it's just so great a symbolism. Now, am I saying that you should go out and spend all your money on gifts and things and just give it away? In the spirit of Christmas. No. Gold is just a tool. Money is just a tool. And you use it in right ways and correct ways. And you budget well, and that's why we've done things like uh, you know, financing and budget classes and, and whatnot, um, uh, financial peace and such like that. Uh, because we want to use the tool well. But we use the tool well in order to promote our presence in front of God. 
How do we get in proximity to him? That's what we're looking for. How are you doing it? And I don't mean the gold, not how are you doing gold. How are you doing the presence of God? How are you doing something greater? How can you do it? In your family, in your work, distanced, separated, whatever your environment. You know, we're going to have ways to, that we can do that, and you're going to have unique ways that you can do that. And you need to pursue those as best you can. As a church, we're going to come up in the next couple weeks and talk about the ability to give uh, gift cards to some of the local charities. That's a way. That'll be coming and, and rolling out next week. But remember, more important than you giving gifts anywhere is why you give it, what you're projecting what you're promoting. Work at it. Work at it because the king is greater. Wise men understood that. May we understand that as well. Father, we thank you for uh, this story. Thank you that you came on the scene and had things play out with multiple characters in so many different settings with many different time zones and Lord just how many different ways you've tried to get our attention and project to us what real value looks like and and Lord forgive us our gold as we've we've taken finances and money and we've escalated to a level you never intended pray Lord that you would show us where value actually comes from that we might truly enjoy all of the gifts that you give us. We just pray for direction, for blessing. Uh, Lord, for those uh, who are entering a time where it has been traditionally hard for them, as Christmas is a difficult season, for whatever reason, Lord, we pray that you would Draw near to them. Let them be in proximity to you. Pray, Lord, that everybody here in this, and even some that don't, recognize that you care about them. May they live this season with that understanding. Father, we thank you for the offering that we're receiving through the mail, through electronics. Pray, Lord, we would always be reminded that, that it's just a tool that you use. May it be a blessing that we might be a blessing in your name. We pray. Amen.